about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, Bokatov, good morning. And Shalom Aleichem to you. God's blessings. God's abundance. God's peace. God's awesomeness upon all of you. Bless the Lord. Hi, Chrissy. There goes our future right there. Amen. Not awesome. Yeah. You'll have to wait a little bit. Okay. <laughs> okay. The title of my message this morning is "A Spirit of Sonship." But I just really felt strongly led by the Holy Ghost that before I can talk about sonship, I have to talk about fathership a little bit. And we're going to do a little family business here this morning. So uh, just sit back and, and relax a bit. Um, my, my own father was a man, a very simple man. He was basically a, a blue-collar man. He worked with his hands. He was an electrician. He was very, very uh, faithful to provide for his family. Um, somehow... I knew that he loved me, but he never told me that he loved me. I, I later on found out that that was quite a struggle for him in his, in his own heart um, as a man to be able to say those words, okay? There are fathers who are or have been, I'm talking to you this morning about perhaps your father, okay? Absent. That is maybe in some of your case, some cases here, you, you didn't even know who your father was. He was someone that kind of just whisked in to your mother's life and left again. Um, if I could use the term sperm donor, he did his thing and that was, that was the end of it and here you are, okay? 
But there are other fathers that um, were kind of apathetic. Uh, that is, they were so caught up in their own uh, thing, for the most part, earning a living, for the most part, putting bread on the table, um, that they didn't see the importance of a relationship, even perhaps with your mother, much less with you. There are other fathers that were just, uh, just outrightly abusive. They were impatient. They were angry. They were uh, without uh, principle. Uh, they weren't very good examples. And that, of course, has been reflected on you as well. And then there are some fathers that, yes, were loving, uh, and they were able to express that love in a number of ways. But before, before I go into my uh, message this morning, I, I really believe that the Spirit of God would have us take care of certain basic elementary uh, family business here this morning, and that is to pray for those whose fathers were either absent or they were abusive, and as a result, perhaps, you had to struggle with resentment, you had to struggle with anger, you had a challenge, you challenged by uh, rejection, um, and it was as though it wasn't your, your childhood was an uphill battle, okay? And so there have been even some vestiges left over even until this very day. Now, why, do I, why, do I, why am I bringing this subject up and why do I think it's important? It's simply because so often our relationship with our earthly fathers has been a hindrance to our relationship with Abba. Because when we hear the word father, we revert back to where we were as children and the experiences that we had. And some of those experiences were not very constructive. Some of them were very destructive. Some of them were just uh, uh, downright not only discouraging, but they were hurtful. And oftentimes that hurt has been carried on uh, in our lives, even as uh, believers. And so um, what, what, I'd, what I'd like to do this morning is, is simply this, is if you have either have a father issue right now or have had a father issue over the years, I'd like to pray for you. So if you would, just stand up right where you are in your seats throughout the church. That's it. Just stand up. I'm not going to have anyone coming up forward or backwards or anything like that. And I just want the opportunity this morning to pray with you. There we go. There we go. Okay. Now, first and foremost, I just want you to close your eyes. 
And I just want you to go to Abba Father this morning and cry out to him and say, Father, forgive my father for any abuse, any rejection, any irresponsibility, any ignorance in his life that was reflected upon me. Just pray that prayer right now, if you would. And then pray, Abba, I forgive my father of all trespasses against me. And if he's alive today, I forgive him personally for any rejection, for any form of wrongdoing, malfeasance against me. Mr. Sheldon, stand up this morning, right where you are. Very good. Just stay right where you are. Stay right where you are. We're praying, we're praying for your father this morning, okay? Go to the Father right now. Go to Abba and pray and ask him to forgive your daddy and ask him to forgive you for any resentment, any bitterness, any wrongdoing, any hatred even that's in your hearts. Okay. Okay. The captives are being set free this morning, right here. Holy Ghost, complete the work that you've begun in the lives of these, my brothers and sisters. Holy Ghost, rid them of any history of resentment, unforgiveness in their hearts. Holy Ghost, Cleanse them even this day and set the captives free that there will be no harm done from anything that has been inflicted upon them as a child. Holy Ghost, complete this work even this day. Set the captives free once and for all right now in the name of Yeshua, I pray. And the saints said, amen. amen and amen. You may be seated. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would please, into Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> and starting in verse 14. Romans chapter 8 and 14. And the word of God says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Let me just stop for one quick, quick second here. Um, I, I know I'd, I probably don't have to say this, but I'm going to say it anyhow just for the sake of emphasis. Wherever the Bible talks about sons, it also talks about daughters. daughters. Okay? 
Um, I often think that the reason sons are mentioned so often is because it's only three letters, whereas daughters are, no. No, no. but the, the fact of the matter, when we talk about sons, we talk about daughters as well, okay? So obviously, if you're of the female persuasion, you're a daughter. And so when God says here, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They are the daughters of God as well. Praise the Lord. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. We're going to be talking this morning, head to head, belly to belly, about fear. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, sons and daughters. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that way that we may also be glorified together. Now, when we talk about the spirit of bondage, we're talking about a mindset. Okay? A mindset. And that mindset, for the most part, is predicated and has been uh, developed over a period of time, even going all the way back to our childhood, and influenced by our education, influenced by our training, but mostly influenced by our situation, uh, our environment that we grew up in as uh, children, students, teenagers, college, prep, etc., etc., etc. So over a period of time, a mindset, a mentality has been uh, developed. And I don't know about you, but before Christ, my mindset was just awry, off the charts. I'm going to talk to you about that in, in a couple of minutes. But Mentality actually involves different thought processes which in turn affect our actions. So why is it so important to focus in on our mindset or our way of thinking? It is simply because as a man thinks, so he acts. You understand that, okay? You are here this morning because probably last night or early this morning, you made a decision to be here. Plain and simple. Some people are not here. They made a decision not to be here. Okay? How did that come about? Well, in the old days, when we were bound up with under religion, we were in many instances obligated to be in a certain place on a Sunday morning in a certain building and certain people surrounded by religious religiosity, etc., etc. 
Now, it wasn't just in that church I'm talking about. could have been in other churches as well, if you know what I'm saying. Okay? Simply because everybody had to go to church on Sunday. If you didn't go to church on Sunday, people will talk about you Monday morning. You see? That's religion for you. Okay? But there was, there was a, a mindset that we as believers have. We're here because we choose to be here and want to be here. Okay? So there's nothing here that binds us that says in order to be a good Christian, you got to be in church. That's religion. Do you understand what I'm talking about when I say uh, mindset? So I'm going to go into three aspects of this uh, this morning uh, because I, I think it's very important for us to look at this uh, business of a uh, slave or servant mentality uh, versus that which God has in store for us, and I'll be touching on that very, very shortly. But certainly that slave or ser servant mentality can also be called an orphan or rebel mentality. And it's not just something that we have from the past, dear saints. It's something that many of us have got to grope with today. So I'm going to take three aspects of this. I'm I call it the three Ds. Number one is the difficulty. That is the slave or orphan mentality. Number two is the doctrine, the doctrine of adoption or the spirit of sonship. And finally, number three, the doing, and that is how to live like a son and not a slave. So Paul is writing to us here in the book of Romans, and later on we're going to go into Galatians as well. He's been traveling to Rome, Italy. He's been traveling to Galatia, which is today, present-day Turkey. And he's going into the different places of worship, if you like, places of religion. He's going into pagan temples. He's going into Jewish synagogues. These are all places where he has been invited into, even though most of them uh, think he's a screwball, and, and they think that uh, what he has to say is, is totally off the charts. But he, he, by the Holy Ghost, gets into these places, okay? And these places are filled with religious people. That's why they're there. That's why they're in the pagan temples. That's why they're worshiping in the synagogues, because they're religious people. And they know how this religion thing works. They know the ground rules. They know that in their places of worship, the temple or the synagogues, that there are some people that get special treatment. If they are dressed in finer garb, they have chain around their neck, if they have the proper do, whatever, whatever, um, they, get, they get put in the front row. They enjoy sitting in the front row, by the way, and it almost gets to the point where they, it's well known, they're going to sit in the front row. And don't you dare sit in their place. This is all part of their religion. 
They also know that they have there's a, a mindset amongst them that says that God helps those who help themselves. There's a mindset amongst them that says there's no free lunch. There's a mindset amongst them that says either you make it or you break it. It's entirely up to you. Mindset that says what goes around comes around. And finally, there's one that says God's always in control, so que sera, sera. Well, where are we going here? Paul says that these basic rules of religion, which you've been following, he's talking to the pagans, he's talking to the Jews, and these basic rules of religion which you are adhering to aren't going to work this time around with Yeshua. Because what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to unlearn some of this religiosity because the gospel is a gospel of unreligion. And this comes as a blow. This comes almost as a, a revolution. Yes, religion in all its forms is nothing more than slavery. And many times it doesn't require any effort except to do. Well, doing requires a slave mentality because it infers that my best efforts will obtain rewards and recognition so I can get brownie points on my scorecard. And the more points, the better. And there's a lot of people that are very comfortable, believe it or not, with religion because they don't have to make any choices. Oh yes, they have to show up, you understand, but that's a given. They have to do this ritual and that ritual and that ritual, but it's all done, it's all a must. There's, there's no, there are no options, there's no free will in effect. They've actually surrendered their free will to religion and this slave mentality. Slave mentality is nothing more than stinking thinking, what I call stinking thinking. That is, it takes things out of perspective completely. But there's a better way. And it doesn't depend upon what you do or the ways you once identified yourself, but instead upon who you are and whose you are in the now. So, if you don't see it and receive it, then you're going to be bound up. You're going to be captivated. You're going to be ensnared. You not only are ignorant, but you're willing to embrace slavery and be comfortable with it because you're accustomed to it, because it's a tradition, because it's been so much a part of you for so long. The slave mentality is a mentality that will actually so influence your mindset that you'll find yourself doing things and wondering later on, why did I do it that way? Why did I do it that way? 
It's a form of slavery which will keep you on the bottom instead of on the top. It'll keep you wrapped up in chains of oppression and bondage because fear is slavery. Fear is a very, very powerful, powerful motivator. And haven't we seen that over the last five months? But fear comes in all forms. And probably the greatest fear, or the fear that most motivates people, is the fear of man. Because the fear of man disables and it hinders healthy interpersonal relationships. Well, if I speak the truth, won't I risk being loved, being accepted? Why am I afraid to tell you who, who I really am, what's really going on inside? Or is it always, oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord? Now, I believe in proclamation of good news, but I also believe in honesty. And I think there's a time that we just need to be honest with our brothers, with our sisters. Certainly, honesty is a very, very integral and an important part of the marriage relationship because without honesty, you cannot build intimacy. And without intimacy, there really cannot be relationship. Relationship takes hard work. Relationship just doesn't come about uh, one, two, three. But relationship says, you know what? I'm going to risk loving you. I'm going to risk putting myself out for you simply because I want to be honest. I want to build something, and that something I want to build is called relationship. That's what marriage is all about. And isn't that the very same thing in our relationship with Abba? Amen? Amen. 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 So there are those that would say, let's not rock the boat. Everything's cool just the way it is. And I say to you this morning, whatever happened to speak the truth in love? For when we speak the truth in love... We trust God, we trust the Holy Ghost, and we trust our brother and sister or our spouse because we're opening ourselves up to them and we're casting down that spirit of slavery that would inhibit us and pro, uh, uh, just prohibit us from, from being all that we are with another person. It's that slave mentality that so subtly sneaks in and ensnares us. And it becomes a bondage. It becomes an entrapment, you understand. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. Galatians 3 and 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus... For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in 
Christ Jesus. Now, history tells us that being bound or being free often was not a choice. But now, we have a choice. B.C., before Christ, I was my own man. I was in business for myself. I made my own hours. I submitted to no other man. I called the shots. I was admired by my friends who worked for corporations uh, where they were a part of structure and bureaucracy. I was free. I was independent. I was me, so I thought. But my own arrogance and pride bound me and kept me owing to my own stubbornness and stinking thinking. I had to succeed on my own to prove myself and make me more popular, make me more acceptable, make me more likable, make me more recognizable. It was all centered upon me. I worshipped the God of Ted, plain and simple. Amen? I was number one, and when things didn't go my way, I'd have, I'd have a pity party for myself. And then oftentimes, I'd uh, invite others <laughs> and complain with great anger and great moaning and groaning and ugh, ugly, ugly, ugly stuff. And even today, I need to be careful because there's a temptation to go back um, over the years, and particularly in ministry, when you've been in ministry, when you've traveled uh, all over the world, and you've um, been blessed by the Holy Ghost and blessed by the God of salvation. Uh, wow. Wow. Um, But I have, to, I have to work against that, uh, that uh, spirit of pride or self-recognition, self-worth that comes up for who gets the glory. There can only be one who gets the glory. Amen? Praise the Lord. In Galatians 4, please, and chapter 1. And verse 1, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord, owner of all. But it is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Now when it says we were children there, not only does it mean that when we were worldly children, but when we were children in the spirit, that is when we were just coming into the things of, the, of God, because that, that um, uh, spirit of bondage under the elements of the world uh, spoke to us and have been speaking to us for years upon years upon years. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. And oftentimes, dear saints, that law was self-imposed. 
understand. There wasn't some great big boogeyman with a, uh, with a big sledgehammer holding it over our heads. We chose to come under uh, uh, the law. So when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God had sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. How be it then, when you know not God, you did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? So God has given us when we say yes to Yeshua, God has given us the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship. And where does it take place? The change, the transformation. God had sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. When your heart changes, that's true change. It's not emotional. It's really and truly spiritual when your heart changes. We were in bondage under the elements of the world, and those elements shaped us and directed our behavior. But when we chose to receive our adoption as sons, things changed for the best. We were born again, all over again, and our hearts were filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, we excitedly yelled out, Abba, because we no longer were slaves or servants, but because now we were sons and then heirs. Heirs having full rights and privileges, not second-class citizens. An heir is someone who has received an inheritance. Ours is heaven on earth where Abba's will for our lives and ministry is to operate in signs and wonders and miracles, in his shalom, in his abundance, in his favor, his blessings abound in and through us. Simply because the doing has been done, the doing no longer has to be done because it is finished. The work has been completed. Verse 9, however, says again, but now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? So here's Paul's warning that says, saying to the church, to the saints, you know better do not return back to that spirit of slavery, that spirit that would bind you, 
that spirit that would keep you from operating completely and totally in complete freedom. Those old thoughts, those old habits need to be broken once and for all. The lies of the past need to be cast down. Do you know a lie, once you believe it, can become truth in your life individually? A lie. A lie which is directly contrary to truth. Those 19-year-old Muslim fanatic young men that have been brainwashed over and over and over again to give their lives up to Allah, to become martyrs for the cause of Islam, and to go into a crowded uh, group of people, probably Jewish people, with a dynamite pack on their chest and pull the cord, etc., etc., and wind up in paradise the very next day or the very next moment with 72 virgins at your disposal. I don't know where they get all these virgins from, these Islamic people. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> 72 times 7 plus 72 plus 72 plus 72. Wow, wait. But if they believe that, if they believe that, you can shake them until, until they're silly. You can slap them in the face. You can yell and shout and tell them everything. Sorry. They believe a lie. Okay. But there are those things in our lives, dear saints, that are lies that are going all the way back to childhood that need to be dealt with. And sometimes it needs to be done through private counseling, inner healing, or whatever it is. But if there's something going on within you that keeps coming up over and over and over and over again, that's a bondage. That bondage has got to be broken. The Holy Ghost can break it. The Holy Ghost wants to break it. It's just a matter of which way you choose for that to happen. So we were in bondage under the elements of the world, and those elements shaped us. They directed our behavior. But when we chose to receive our adoption as sons, a whole new life, a whole new beginning started. And one of the things I'm excited about is when we are adopted as sons and as daughters, the family likeness is transferred down. Who's the family? Abba, his son Yeshua, the Holy Ghost. 
There's a family likeness. Every one of you know about family likenesses. Amen? But that can, they only come through natural, the natural birth process. Isn't that right? I mean, I'm told that some of my children look like me. Some of them look like their mother, et cetera, et cetera. If you're Debbie Stilwell, they all look the same. <laughs> but when there's a spirit of adoption, not only do we receive the full package from heaven, but we receive family likeness. Let me give you an example. Turn with me into the book of Judges, if you would. We're going to hear a little bit from the song of Deborah today. In Judges 5 and 31. So let all thine enemies perish, O Lord, but let them that love him be as the sun when he goeth forth in his might. Now the sun is on fire from the inside out. It is light from the very core of its being. The sun's heat sustains life on this planet, and without it, the whole world would die. People who love God are sons just like that. The light of God's presence is evident in their inner being, and it brings light, heat, and life to those around them in a dying world. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of examples that start out negatively, but just bear with me if you would. When we were uh, working with a a uh, secular Jewish group down in the Palm Beach area um, with um, Jewish uh, believers. Uh, one of the ladies who was an executive director of this one organization uh, spoke to us. And later on, later on, in a private conversation, she said, I noticed that there was something about you. I felt good karma. Okay? Now, let's not get shook up. We all know what karma is not, what it is, what it's not, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? But what she was saying, do you understand, you see, was that there was a witness of the Holy Ghost. All right. Do you understand? Now, she didn't know it as such, okay? Now, I had two other examples of it, and two good friends, one, one a whole high school, high school buddy going back for early years, okay? And another friend that I used to have lunch with once a month. But all of a sudden, somebody got into the office in Washington, D.C., and started to proclaim good news, etc. And they knew I was a fan. <laughs> and suddenly, the phone calls stopped returning. And all, and I mean all, 
contact just went whoosh, just like that. Now, at first, there was a little bit of, hmm, maybe I haven't been showering as often as I should be, or my deodorant is not working, etc. No, 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 no. It just had to do with who I was and who I am. Okay? So we have the ability, dear saints, to be as a son. A son brings, the son brings light. It brings life. It brings um, heat. Um, it touches people. One of the beauties about living here in South Florida is having that warm sun on your arms from time to time, okay? We have that very same ability to touch other people's lives. And you do. You do. You don't even realize it many, many times that you do. But you are a son in many people's lives. And you need to understand that that sonship within you is something that needs to be shared. That sonship has got to go out. It cannot be kept. It cannot be hoarded. It cannot be boxed. It's got to go forth. Because God's instructed us to go, to go, to go, to go into all nations, proclaiming the good news of the gospel, etc., etc., etc. There's no darkness in the sun. God's love is based on our sonship, and that sonship can banish darkness and fear wherever we go, whenever we go. In John 1, 4, and 18, the Word of God says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. Fear involves slavery. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love. Perfect love. When we focus in on the Father's love, when we understand that He gave us the gift of adoption, that He took us out of darkness into His marvelous life, I mean, I'll tell you, Life is a bowl of cherries. Life is a joy. Life is fun. You want to go out, even if you have to wear a mask. You want to go out and proclaim good news. You want to go out and, and, and share what you have with others. Because you can see the fear on their faces. You can, fear the, you can see the lack of joy. You can see the, the, the depression on their faces. And some of them will look at you as though you were crazy. 
Some of them will look at you and say, what's wrong with you? Oh, please, if only they would vocalize that, because that would give you an opportunity like a wide open door, Mary Elena, a wide open door to lay it on them, okay? When they see that face smiling at them, they're going to say, what's, what's going? What's going on? You see, that's your opportunity. Amen? And amen. Let's hear it for Yeshua today. Hallelujah.